Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show, the Indiana basketball memories version. Um, a welcome. Today, you're probably listening to this, hopefully, on HoosierHysteria.net or on KeepingTheNostalgiaLive.Podbean.com. That's Keeping the Nostalgia Live. That's all one word, dot .Podbean.com. On the KeepingTheNostalgiaLive.Podbean.com, you can download up to over 160 shows of those who've played the game of basketball, were a part of the game, officiated the game, or just had a passion and love for the game. People like Kent Benson, Rick Mount, uh, Coach Gene Cady. So take some time, download some interviews, and um, listen to them at your convenience. Uh, today with us is Erwin Cox. Erwin um, Cox played at uh, Drake University. He was an outstanding basketball player at Drake University. played with uh, Bob Nedelicki. Uh, it was a Kokomo Wildcat, and he's going to kind of uh, we're going to have a conversation today about uh, his career and his life and uh, his passion for uh, athletics. And Erwin, uh, thank you so much for being with us and taking some time out of your busy schedule. I know uh, this is appreciated for us and for for all of our listeners. Well, thank you, Billy. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell us about, I mean, you have a huge family. I know I've I've interviewed your, your brother, Harold, who had an outstanding career at Evansville, was uh, on a national championship team in Ev Evansville. But tell us, I mean, eight brothers and sisters or nine? Yes, I have uh, eight brothers and sisters, and I'm thankful that my parents did have nine children because I'm the last one of the nine. <laughs> and and your oldest brother, I'm, I'm, my memory's failing me a little bit. Was his name Grady? No, my oldest brother was named John. And uh, he became a preacher, and he didn't uh, participate in athletics. And you're probably thinking of my second oldest brother, Grover. Grover. And he played uh, basketball. He kind of taught uh, his younger brothers how to play. Was basketball your kind of uh, first love, or was it baseball? Oh, it was basketball. And later on, we played baseball, all of us. And uh, I think I started playing basketball after uh, watching my older brothers play at Kokomo High School. And I was just a first grader back then. We moved into town from out in the country. And uh, Kokomo, on the 1952 basketball team, they were ranked number one the entire season. And uh, me being in the first grade, I would be become very popular because of my brothers. And I had a lot of friends because of that. <laughs> Now, you did play a lot of baseball, and if I'm not mistaken, you played with Tommy John. Is that correct, or against him? Well, I played Babe Ruth League basketball, or baseball, and uh, some of the members on our team was Ronnie Hughes and Rich Scott and Babe Pryor, my brother Dave, and they were members of the 1961 state championship basketball team as well. And we made it to the championship game of the, uh, the Indiana uh, championship, and we were playing Terre Haute, and we could not hit this pitcher. He was so good, uh, we ended up getting beat. And later we found out that the pitcher was Tommy Johns. And everybody knows uh, he's a future Hall of Famer. And uh, we didn't feel quite as bad later on in life that we got beat in the state championship by such a quality pitcher. Uh, yes, and uh, I think uh, he was from, from Terre Haute also, and I think he went to Indiana State University, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. 
so what was it like, you know, having but such a big family? So once you, I mean, if you're the youngest, um, uh, were there a lot of expectations set by by you, or were you kind of overlooked uh, of your athletics, or? Well, I don't know if I was. Uh, I was just expected to play basketball. I mean, I had. Uh, there were four of us that played for the Wildcats, and all four of us played for Joe Platt. And we were each on a basketball team that was ranked number one in the state the entire season. And we got one state championship out of that in 1961, and my brother Dave was on that team. So watching my older brother start uh, playing, then I was just more or less expected to play also. What was... You know, I have my, I have, let's see, I have three brothers and sisters, um, you, you know, you with having, you know, uh, a, a, such a big family, what kind of, you know, there are some families that you watch on TV that get along and it's fabulous and it's fantastic. Uh, and then, you know, like I don't see my brothers and sisters very often just because we live so far around the country, one in Washington, a couple in Indianapolis, uh, one in Dallas. So it's kind of hard to see everybody. Do you um, do you still guys get together? And when you were little, was there a lot of uh, uh, was there a lot of, of uh, uh, sibling rivalry going on? Not so much. I think uh, we were a very close-knit family. And I can recall when my older brothers were, uh, after they had graduated from Kokomo, uh, they also played in summer leagues that uh, they had back in those days, and uh, the outdoor summer leagues. And I can remember uh, my older brothers, Harold and Clyde, they would take Dave and I with them uh, to these summer leagues and watch them so we could watch them play. And one particular trip they allowed us to go with them was to Logan Sport, and they said they were going to play a team from Indianapolis. And his on that team was uh, Oscar Robertson. And I can remember seeing him on television many times, and I thought, man, this is going to be a chance of a lifetime to see Oscar Robertson play in person. And we got to Logan Sport in the parking lot, and lo and behold, a big brand-new Cadillac parked right beside us, and out steps Oscar Robertson. And my brother, Harold, he introduced me to Oscar because he had met him before. And Oscar, I'll never forget me looking up at Oscar and saying, Oscar, you left your lights on in your car. And he looked down at me and said, son, I'm getting a new one next week anyway. <laughs> I was concerned because I thought his battery might run down, but I didn't realize those lights turn off automatically eventually. <laughs> that was my first taste of a big star after uh, being such a little guy back then. What was it like go, as a youngster before you get to Kokomo? What was the atmosphere like and how much fun or what was it like going to a game uh, at Kokomo, a basketball game? Oh, that was the most exciting period probably in the, the history of basketball in Howard County anyway, probably the entire state of Indiana. Uh, it was so exciting. That's what people did. They went to the ball games on Friday and sometimes on Saturdays. But most, a lot of the people couldn't get tickets. And I can remember our family only got a few tickets, even though we had a couple of brothers playing on the teams most of the time. But uh, we could get, could get to go to maybe half of the games and uh, and we were treated just like the rest of the fans, and they were great fans. They all wanted to go to every game, but 
the the gym house wasn't big enough. It only held seven thousand something. So it was a very exciting time back in those days. You know, to give everybody a little bit of perspective, and it's funny that you said it only held around seven thousand people. I mean, that is just a huge amount of people to watch a basketball game. That's a huge amount. And I think back when Memorial Gymnasium was built, it was the largest high school gymnasium in the country. And uh, it was such an exciting time. It really was. You, you know, when, think, when, yeah. when going back to Indianapolis, I'll occasionally pop into Hinkle Fieldhouse. And I, I've told my wife that, you know, I, I went to Broderpool High School and we played all of our um, – uh, sectional, regional, semi-state games there. And uh, I told my wife that you could have had me blindfolded and pulled me into Hinkle Fieldhouse, and I could have told you where I was at because of the smell. And it, it was that, <laughs> is that the same way with uh, the Kokomo Gym? Could you, is it just, do you, do you take a deep breath when you go in and you'd be like, you know, the memories just flood back? Sure. That's exactly the way it is. And uh, every chance I get to go watch the cats play, it uh, brings back all those fond memories back in the 60s. It sure it is. What did your dad do? My father was a minister. Uh, he never really had his own church, but he ended up uh, working at a foundry a lot of years, and he worked for the city. Uh, uh, he did multiple jobs, and then my mother worked at Dalco Radio for General Motors, and uh, most of our brothers and sisters had part-time jobs to kind of help out the family. So, so when you were uh, just getting ready to go to high school at Kokomo, you kind of, you kind of had an idea of what you were in for, weren't you? Yes, I was, and I was uh, pretty much expected to uh, follow in my brother's footsteps. And I can recall back in the well, seventh and eighth grade, I, uh, I remember. On the off season, we had uh, we we got to play basketball at the YMCA, and we got a team together, and we ended up going to uh, the state championship game, and we won the state as a seventh or eighth grader back then. And then about a week after that, we the YMCA had a three on three basketball uh, tournament, and we made my team made it to the very championship game. And then, lo and behold, the team that we had to play was a team led by Goose Ligon. And most people have heard of Goose Ligon. He's one of the icons in Kokomo and had a great career at Kokomo, and we can talk about that later, and then play for the Kentucky Colonels later. And uh, needless to say, my team didn't get very many layups against his team. We were... <laughs> We had to shoot from way out, and they ended up beating us. Uh, Goose was, so about, was, Goose first, was uh, about what, 6'7", six, 6'6", seven, six, 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 He was almost 6'9". Okay. So did yeah, the Cox... My did, did the, first time I met Goose Ligon. Did the Cox family have a basketball hoop at the house? Did we ever. Well, we used to live out in the country, and we had a barn. We only rented the place out in the country, but they had a big barn, and we had a full court... Um, in the in the hayloft area, and uh, that's where we learned how to play basketball back in those days. And when we moved in town, of course, we had our basketball goal up like everybody else did in town. What were the expectations like when you did get to Kokomo? Did you did you, did you have to play freshman ball? Did you go immediately to JV? Did you immediately go to varsity in basketball? When I was a sophomore and 
in high school. That was the 1961 team that won the state championship. I was on the B team, and I played three quarters on the B team, and then I got to dress for uh, the varsity. So I got to dress all the varsity games, and I got to travel with the team during the tournament and uh, got to go to Hinkle Field House and, uh, uh, along with the rest of the team. Unfortunately, they only allowed 12 members to dress on each team, and I guess I was considered the 13th man. What would what you know? We know one of the uh, one of the top tier Indiana high school basketball players played at Kokomo. And that's Jimmy Rail. Did um, you have any stories of Jimmy? I could come up with some pretty good stories <laughs> of Jimmy Rail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can. Later on in life, uh, Jimmy and I would run across one another at maybe a restaurant or a coffee shop, and we'd sit and chat for an hour or two. <laughs> and yeah, we had a lot of a lot of good stories. I can recall uh, one story later on in his life, just oh, just a couple of years before he passed away, and uh, he had some health issues, and he went to the park, local park, and did a lot of walking to try to get back in good shape. And one particular time he was walking around the park and he saw a player shooting some baskets. And so he went over and uh, started talking to him and said, ask him if he was uh, going to play for a high school team. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to make the Western basketball team. And Jimmy said, do you mind if I shoot some free throws with you? He said, no, not at all. So Jimmy missed the first couple, and then he hit maybe 15 in a row. And the little guy, uh, he goes up to the fellow and says, have you ever, would you believe that I used to play for the Kokomo Wildcats? And the fellow said, no, not really. And he said, would you believe that I held the scoring record at Kokomo? I made more points than any other player ever. He said, no, I probably wouldn't believe that either. <laughs> he said, well, would you believe that I then went to Indiana University and I got 56 points against a Big Ten team and did it twice? The fellow says, no. <laughs> he said, well, would you believe I was an All-American at Indiana University? No. <laughs> and would you believe I played for the Indiana Pacers? <laughs> No, I wouldn't believe that either. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you what, you've, when we leave here, when you go back home, ask your dad if he ever, has ever heard of Jimmy Rail. <laughs> and it was about two days later, he was walking the same park, and he saw that fellow out there shooting. And he goes over to him and talks to him. He said, well, did you ask your dad if he knows, ever heard of Jimmy Rail? He said, yeah, I'll ask my dad, but he'd never heard of Jimmy Rail. He said, but my grandpa has. <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy was never one to brag on himself. And uh, that was such a great story. He said he never shares that with very many people because they think he's bragging. <laughs> but we knew each other well enough that he could do that. And Jimmy would probably still hold some of those records if Branch went and sat him uh, uh, some of the game in, in some of those games, you know? Well, I... He told me another story about when he did get 63, I think it was against Michigan State, and the coach took him out with three minutes to go. <laughs> and he said, if he would have left me in, he said, even if we would have had the three-point shot, 
I would have made 73 points that game. <laughs> and that's amazing. And you don't, you know, we have a lot of good players today, but not very many in college can score 73 points with a three point line, even. So he was pretty special back in those days. And in some, well. and in some of the film that I've seen, I mean, they're, if he would have counted three pointers, uh, shoot, he, he would shoot as far back as, you know, some of the NBA players do today. Yes. He could cross the 10 second line, and if nobody was on him, he'd throw it up. And he had a really good percentage from way back there. Yeah. Uh, so, once getting to Kokomo, I know that. Um, did you do track and field to just kind of stay in shape, or did you enjoy doing track and field? And you were very good at it. Well, I did participate in football as well as uh, track. I was a high jumper and also a pole vaulter like my brother Harold and my brother Dave. Uh, in fact, my brother Dave, he has the had the school record at Kokomo for pole vault and by using the steel pole. In fact, he has uh, jumped higher with the steel pole than anyone in history at Kokomo. And my senior year, uh, my goal was to beat his record, and I also wanted to win the state. And I had already been to the state my junior year, and I wanted to go back my senior year, and I wanted to win the state, and I wanted to get the school record. And I couldn't do it with the steel pole. And one week before the state meet, I borrowed a fiberglass pole from a fellow from Swayze, Indiana. And I broke into our uh, track field on a Sunday with a buddy to catch my pole, and I practiced with that fiberglass pole. And, man, it was a little bit scary and different. And I only had six days before the state championship meet but I was going to use that fiberglass pole. And I improved 16 inches in that six, those six days, and I was able to participate in the state championship meet, and I beat the defending state champion. And unfortunately, I got beat by a fellow from Pendleton. He won the state championship. Um, but And one week after that, I participated in my final track meet for Kokomo, and it was at Purdue, and all of the state qualifiers were uh, at that meet, including the state champion in pole vault. And in order to get the school record, I had to win the event, and I ended up beating the state champion and uh, uh, set the school record, beating my brother's record. And, and how do you how, how do you get into that? I mean, what's I mean, evidently your your brother had done it also, but how, I mean, that's that's scary to me even even thinking about it, doing the pole vault. I mean, that, did, you, it was, did, did you want to do it? How much practice did you have to do to, to become really good at it like you became? Oh, I, I really wanted to do it after watching my brothers do it, but we all got our start from our sister. Way back when we were little kids, we got a cane pole and... Someone bought some carpet, and they had it rolled up in on a cane pole, and they gave it to us. And my, my sister was out uh, practicing pole vaulting, and she taught us how to pole vault with a cane pole. And, and so it just kind of stuck with us. And later on, after when we uh, went to school, uh, it was just uh, a part of our athleticism to, to pole vault. 
nobody really else nobody else really taught us how to do it. You know, when I was in high school, uh, I didn't play football. I was the manager of the football team, but the um, the it was a cluster system back then, a cluster playoff system, and now it's a the, you know everybody gets to play in, in a sectional. But um, you know, you kind of really quickly um, went over your uh, quarterback. I, I think you were quarterback, and you guys were undefeated, right? Yes, I was a quarterback uh, my senior year and junior year. My junior year, we had uh, an undefeated team, and one of my favorite uh, fellows to pass to was Goose Legan. Uh, you know, being six eight or six nine, it was really easy to uh, easy target to hit. And uh, so we did go undefeated that year. And then my senior, my senior year, I was the captain of the football team as well. And, and what was – we all know what Indiana high school basketball is all about and the, the mystique about it and the greatness about it and Hoosiers and all that. But what was football like in the state of Indiana while you were playing? Football in the North Central Conference was really tough. It was uh, as popular as basketball. And, you know, teams like Richmond and Marion and Muncie and Lafayette and Kokomo Cats and Logan Sport, uh, very competitive. And uh, it was uh, uh, really a thrill just to be able to play and had lots of fan support. We had all the greatest fan support uh, in the area, probably in the state. So it was a real thrill. You know, I've lived down here in Houston for the past 20 or 21 years, and um, <clears throat> there's all the, all the high school football teams here, they don't have their own high school football field. They'll end up going to seven or eight big stadiums to play their games during the high school week. I mean, what kind of attendance uh, uh, would you guys have at a football game? Oh, I think our stadium held maybe three or 4,000 people, and... We played on Friday nights, and it was filled every single time. And we were always in the one or number two and uh, in the conference. And a couple of times we were ranked in the state. And so it was, it was real popular and really good fan support. While growing up, I know you told us a little story there about uh, the big O, Oscar Robertson, and, and getting to uh, uh, interact with him. But growing up, did you have like a did, uh, did you have a favorite baseball team? Did you have a favorite uh, a football team that you would follow? Oh, not so much in football, but I had a favorite uh, baseball team that would be the Dodgers, uh, mainly because my older brother Clyde uh, he was not only a very good basketball player. But uh, he was a very good baseball player, and he played in the Dodger organization. So, of course, I had to be a Dodger fan to support him. And that was pre-going to L.A., right? Yes. Yes, it was. Maybe that very year they moved from New York to uh, L.A. So Clyde played minor league baseball? Yes, he did. In fact, one of his was... His name will come to me <laughs> if we keep talking. I'll interrupt you. Up with it. <laughs> so, so did he make it up to AAA, or did was you know was it what is it injuries that kept him from uh, uh, making the Dodgers roster? I think he was like a Double A. We okay. have a team here, a place here in Kokomo that he played for. Uh, Tommy Davis, that's okay. one of his teammates. You've probably heard of that name. Yes. He ended up moving up to uh, 
the Dodgers, and in fact, they won the World Series, and he was most valuable player of the year. And Kokomo uh, on the, the the farm team is what we called it. They were just really loaded with talent, and Clyde was uh, probably could have moved up if it had not been for Tommy Davis, uh, Orlando Cepeda. Mm-hmm. You've heard of that name, mm-hmm. probably. And uh, so he ended up uh, not making it on up to the big leagues, and he ended up being a school teacher. Like uh, there's five of us brothers that ended up teaching and coaching, and three of us were head basketball coaches on the high school level as well. Now, when I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit more and uh, give you a time here to think a little bit, but you know, you're playing basketball uh, at your house, or or you're you're getting ready to go to a football game, and you're the quarterback. What, was there anybody that you really, really followed, uh, uh, like a, a a basketball superstar or a football player, and you kind of emulated or kind of fantasized about you know pulling up, taking the the, the shot, or you know you you're getting ready to go deep on on a pass to your uh, wide receiver. I mean, was there anybody that you would that would think about, or any any of those that you kind of emulated or kind of uh, uh, fantasized about being like, or or you know taking that last shot of the game or throwing that uh, uh, touch, that uh, game winning touchdown pass? Well, sure, every kid does that, and I think uh, the quarterback that I emulated, uh, I want to be just like, was Ronnie Hughes. He was on the state championship basketball team, and it was really an excellent quarterback. And I wanted to be just like him. And uh, so two years later, I was uh, uh, trying to emulate him as captain of the football team. <laughs> and as far as basketball, everybody wants to take that last shot of the ball game to win the state championship or hit a, two free throws to, to win the championship. And everybody remembers the, uh, the Milan story. And I got a funny story about that, if you want me to tell that please, one. Please, please. Later on in life, after uh, uh, just a, maybe five or six years ago, uh, my wife and I bought a new washer and dryer from Sears, and it was delivered by a couple of fellows. They brought it from Indianapolis, and uh, they were nice fellows. And we got to talk to basketball for some reason, and I don't know how that all got started, but uh, this one fellow, he was real outgoing, and he said, I got uh, trivia questions for you, and I want to see if you can answer three questions. And if you do, then uh, we're going to install all of this for free, and I'll even pay for your washer and dryer. I said, okay, that's a deal. (laughs) (laughs) He says, okay, my first question is, who won the 1954 state basketball championship? I said, well, that's easy. That was Milan. He said, that's right. Then he said, the second question is, who won the winning? Who made the winning shot for Milan? I said, "Well, that's Bobby Plump." That's right. Okay. Now the third question. Now, if you get this one, I'm paying for your washer and dryer. Who was guarding Bobby Plump? And I thought, I thought, I thought. Well, I can remember as Muncie Central, but I have no idea who was guarding Bobby Plump. I said, "Who was it?" And the fellow said. It was my brother. <laughs> and, uh, my brother's never lived it down. <laughs> so we had a good laugh over that. I don't know. Did he know whether did he know your your family's lineage? You know your your history, your family before he started asking those questions. I can't remember that. We just got 
talking basketball, and uh, I might have mentioned later on that uh, my brother Harold graduated in 1954, so that's why I have such a good memory of <laughs> that Milan story. You, you know, my wife, uh, I'll wear my, I'll, you know, before I started all this about five or six years ago, I, I, I was a true diehard Indiana University fan. Hoosier fan, uh-huh. and uh, but I went to Indiana State University. But since Larry Bird's left, there hasn't really been a lot to root for. And I hate to sound like I'm not a I'm a fair weather fan, but I just don't see Indiana State University coming back to what Larry Bird had made it. And uh, uh-huh. so I would always wear Indiana University stuff. But since I've been doing this, you know, uh, I've become uh, friends with uh, uh, Coach Dave Shellhouse, who played at Purdue, and and you know, you you come to appreciate the game of basketball from the state of Indiana, no matter where you went to school. And I'll wear something that says Purdue or I'll wear something that says Butler or Evansville or Indiana state or IU. And my wife just, she's just amazed that down here in Houston, Texas, someone will come up and go, Oh yeah, I was a, I graduated from Portage high school. Oh yeah. I graduated from Evansville (laughs) Memorial. Oh, Hey, I went there. And you know, it's a conversation that, you know, as a Hoosier to a fellow Hoosier, you know, sometimes you've got to say, well, you know, I got to stop talking because my wife needs to finish her grocery shopping. (laughs) Yeah. We have that same problem. And my brother, Harold, especially, he'll he'll (laughs) talk your leg, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I, I think your, your brother and another uh, one other interviewer, uh, a person that I interviewed, were the only two people that I had said, I, I, "Look, we're going to have to do a second show because you know." And, and what it, what's really funny too in doing these is that someone will say, "You know, forty-five minutes, an hour. What? I can't talk that long." And normally I'm an hour and a half in, or an hour fifteen minutes in, and I can't get the people to shut up. So yeah, I guess that's uh, our passion for the game and being from where we're from, isn't it? Sure it is. Luckily, I'm bashful, so it won't take us that long. <laughs> now, see, you're overlooking yourself with your track and field stuff and your, and your football stuff. Um, I want to get into um, what what was Coach Platt like? Because I know a lot of people who uh, played for Coach Platt, uh, and um, uh, they, I, I can never get – I mean, tell us about what he was like to you uh, and playing basketball for I think Joe Platt, Joe Platt was a tremendous fellow. He was such a likable guy, and uh, he just really loved being a coach. And he coached Ted Williams once upon a time when uh, he was in up at the Air Force Base. And uh, uh, playing for Joe Platt, I, in fact, I think Joe Platt's one that nicknamed us Coxes as Cox's Army because we had four of us that played for Joe. And uh, and each one of us were were on a, uh, a more of a championship team, rank number one. And it's, I think seven out of the thirteen years that Coach Joe Platt coached, there was a Cox on the team, and he was uh, so outstanding and it's, it's such a good good a good guy. Uh, he had an answer for every team that came in. They were well scouted, and he had a plan, and uh, we stuck to his plan, and we usually ended up winning as a result of his good coaching ability. Did you, what was, as a basketball player, what was the atmosphere like at the game? Did you pay much attention to the crowd? What was, what was it like to play in your home gym as a Wildcat? Uh, It was pretty tremendous. We had a such a good following, and you've heard all the stories about 
able to go to all of the games because they didn't have enough uh, season tickets uh, for everybody. So they had to go to every other game. And uh, it was just the most exciting thing to do on a Friday night. Everybody went. And sometimes we'd play on a Saturday night. So everybody was able to go to that, those games. So it was just very exciting. But but what was it like for you? Did you did you? What was the difference between watching watching uh, them play and you being a part of it? Was it a different concentration or focus? I think the my junior year after we had won the state championship, or my junior year with Goose Ligon, and there was it was expected of us to repeat as state champions and. We didn't really feel the pressure because we thought we were going to be good enough to accomplish that goal. And we were ranked number one the entire season. And it was just so exciting. And we were all confident. And we had no doubt that we were going to uh, repeat as state champions. And this is such a thrill. What was Coach Platt like? As a, how did how did he run practices? Was it a was it stern? Did uh, 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 was he more father like? Was it uh, could you hear him talking to you off the bench while playing a game? What I mean, how how much passion or how much, how loud was he? He was not loud at all. In fact, we hardly ever heard him. I don't think he ever yelled at us. Uh, he would get upset sometimes. He'd call us into the center of the court, and he'll, he'll say a few things, like we're not putting out the entire effort that we had expected of us. And he just uh, uh, was not like uh, a Bobby Knight-type style. And he was just uh, more of a father figure, and he showed us a lot of respect, and we showed respect back to him. And we wanted to accomplish uh, all the goals that he had set for us. So we, you know, we worked our tail off, but it wasn't because he was yelling at us and uh, forcing things on us. But he enjoyed the run and gun type uh, offense, and that was exciting too. Getting up and down the floor, and he just felt that if we could throw up 50 or 60 shots a game, that if we hit half of them, you know, we're going to score 80 or 90 points a game. So. I know that you, you know, your favorite place to play was probably at home, but did you have kind of a, you know, when you guys would travel within the conference, did you have places that you enjoyed going because you felt like you played a little bit better or did you have places that you enjoyed going because you really wanted to beat the team that you were going to play and what was your favorite place outside of your home gym to play? I think, uh, the North Central Conference, uh, we always look forward to going to their place because we knew we were going to beat them and we were going to silence the crowd. And I can remember back on, on the 61 team and the team I got to travel with and uh, dress for uh, at least one quarter anyway. And uh, we went to Hinkle Fieldhouse and we were going to play Indianapolis Tech. And the game was rescheduled to Hinkle Fieldhouse because the uh, Indianapolis Tech's gym wasn't going to be big enough, hold enough uh, for the crowd expected. And that ended up being the most watched regular season high school basketball game in the history of Indiana. And uh, we did end up winning that game as well. So uh, 
we didn't really care where we had to play because we were confident enough to, uh, we wanted to go in and just win and uh, silence their home crowd. You know, there, there's a lot of lot of uh, passion for the high school game, especially before consolidation and stuff like that. Um, it, but did you find that all the fans were about the same, or were there some places where you're like, you know, uh, the fans of such and such team are, are a little ornery? <laughs> oh, uh, the North Central Conference fans, uh, we always anticipated some roughhousing going on either before the game or especially after the game. If uh, we would go to their place and if we would win, there was usually a ruckus on the outside and sometimes the bus got surrounded before we ended up coming back to Kokomo. But, uh, you know, the fans took uh, basketball very seriously back in those days and they were very upset if uh, their team got beat. And I think it's like that all over the entire state, not just the North Central Conference. It, so, you know, it's not like it is today with, you know, cable TV and, and all the hype uh, about kids signing with certain schools and stuff like that. What were, when did you first get on the radio, radar and in being recruited? And do you remember your first letter or that you received from a school wanting you to come with your, your uh, uh, basketball and track and field talents? I think that my junior year, when we were ranked number one, that's when we had Goose Ligon, and uh, we went to the semi-state up in Fort Wayne, and we played a team that double-teamed and triple-teamed the Goose. And fortunately, I had one of my best scoring games of the season, and we were able to pull off that victory. And I can remember thinking, I said, here we are at the semi-state. We just have to win the morning game and then the afternoon game, make it to the final four. So that was our goal, to you know, get out of Fort Wayne and get to Indianapolis. So I think that motivated the rest of our teammates, even though they were clustering against the goose, that we could still pull off the victory. And it just so happened that the coach from Drake University was – at that semi-state. His name was Morris John, and he was quite a coach. And he had written books about uh, defense, especially. That was his forte. And uh, so we won the, the morning game, and in the, the evening game, we played a team that had the third leading scorer in the state, and I was assigned to guard him. And fortunately, I was able to hold him to six points, and the goose had his career game of 44 points. So uh, we were able to pull off that victory, and I think Coach, uh, the Drake coach was impressed with the fact that I knew how to play defense and I could do some scoring if I needed to. Didn't need to very often. I just needed to throw the ball to the goose. So we made it to the Final Four. And then, uh, then I received a letter after my senior year from Drake University and uh, – the coach offered me a full scholarship to play basketball out there. And it's amazing because the track coach also contacted me, offered me a full scholarship to pole vault at Drake. So was that, was there the possibility of another jersey that you would have had on to play 
uh, athletics in college, and and what team would that have been, and what kind of what kind of uh, sibling advice, or how hard was it to make your choice to go to Drake? Uh, I had four brothers that had attended Evansville University, Evansville College back then. Um, and everyone kind of expected me to go to Evansville. In fact, uh, my senior year, just after I graduated, the uh, Evansville paper even had a real nice article about I was going to attend, I was going to be the fourth brother to play for Evansville uh, basketball team. I had another brother who went to Evansville but did not play basketball. And it was just kind of taken for granted that I, that's where I was going to go. And I can recall it was a very difficult decision. Uh, Evansville at that time had Jerry Sloan, uh, Larry Humes, Mr. Basketball, mm-hmm. and they had such a great team, and I knew that if I went to Evansville, I would be competing for a guard spot against my brother Dave, and my brother Dave and I are only 14 months apart, and we've been so close all of our life, and I did not want to put him in that position or myself in that position, and I think that was really the deciding factor of uh, deciding to go to Drake. I was offered a pole vaulting scholarship at Purdue. I could have taken that, but I decided I wanted—I really wanted to play basketball in a Division One school, and uh, also continue pole vaulting. You know, speaking of your brother Dave, how is he doing, by the way? Doing much better. He's home now and uh, regaining his strength, and his memories returning, and he's doing much better. Uh, his uh, his surroundings are. Uh, familiar to him uh, rather than being in the rehab center so things are looking up and uh, Elaine keeps me in touch and I know you guys are friends on Facebook as well so uh, yeah I'm really happy that he's progressing really nicely man his daughter Elaine I mean we're just on social media and uh, her personality and energy almost makes me tired off of social media (laughs) what you mean exactly So, you know, I, I, a question just popped in my mind or a thought just popped in my mind. You know, you used uh, uh, both you and your brother, Harold, used the term uh, Cox's Army. You know, it's it's very interesting that all of you, you know, that most of you had this athletic, this outstanding athletic talent. And, and some of you just didn't want to do that. It's really, you know, it's really it, the human mind and, and brothers and sisters and, and bloodlines. It's really an interesting thing to see how good most of your family did in athletics and how some didn't just want to do it. Yes, one became a minister and one became a fireman. I think he was motivated to become a fireman because uh, my whole family, except for Dave and I, were born and raised in Arkansas. And just a little, uh, uh, we had two fires that burned our entire house down and completely. And I think that's really what motivated my brother Grover to uh, become a fireman for 20-some-odd years. <laughs> and I had another brother that, like I said, attended Evansville University, and he wanted to become, he was a good artist, and he became an art teacher in the Kokomo system. And I guess the rest of us did play basketball. You know, I, I, I didn't do any homework on this, but did you listen to on the radio, or were you there at the uh, Church Street shootout? 
I was there. <laughs> Ray Baby? Yeah. What? Oh, uh, wow. I don't know. I, I couldn't even describe the way the, the, the fans were carrying on, how loud and boisterous this whole entire game was. I mean, it was such a shootout between Jimmy Rail and Ray Pavey. I think Ray Pavey ended up getting 51 points, and I think Jimmy Rail only got 49. But there was 100 points between the two of them, and I think Cookman did get beat by one point. What was it like at the Final Four? I'm assuming it was at Butler Fieldhouse. It hadn't been changed to uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse yet. And and did you did you take time and step back and take it in, or was it all kind of a blur? Oh, the Final Four. It was we were all business. Uh, uh, our goal was to win that afternoon game and make it to the state championship, and we we're going to win the state. And we come across the team from East Chicago. Washington and Johnny Barado's team and they played us so well and we we were we played well but uh, it came down to a, it was a one point game and we did end up getting beat and uh, it was a heartbreaker because we wanted to make to that championship so badly and we wanted to wear one of those rings that the previous year players had so, yeah, and once again, the mystique of Butler Fieldhouse, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, is I was a part of it. I, I wasn't even a part. I, I didn't, you know, I was, I was on the end of the bench fetching water, wrapping t- uh, ankles and uh, uh, doing preventative uh, injury stuff. So uh, one of uh, one of my games at Hinkle Fieldhouse was there were about uh, 12,000 people there and it was to see Newcastle with Steve Alford play against my high school, Broderpool. And uh, uh, Steve just put on a clinic going 25 from 25 from the line and scoring, you know, 56, 56 or 57 points against us. But just just that I, I, I don't think I can make it a couple of days without thinking about Hinkle Fieldhouse or having a memory from that pop into my head. I don't know if it does that happen to you also. Yes, every time I've been back to Hinkle Fieldhouse, it's just just like you mentioned, it's just such a memory. And uh, uh, and you could just, it seemed like you had more energy and you could play better and you could jump higher. And it was just really the mystique of being there in such a, a, a place. Did, did you feel like, did you feel like in the final four, you had a little bit, maybe a little bit of advantage of knowing and being playing on that court before being in the final four? I think it helped a lot. We had a lot of some some experience from the previous year and the whole atmosphere and so forth. And we could recall uh, one of the biggest thrills of being uh, on the state championship, uh, coming home on the bus with the team, starting uh, on Tipton. We called it Tipton Road in '31. That there were fans lined up, lined up all the way back into Kokomo. And we're talking about 15 miles lined up on both sides of the highway. And when we got to the gymnasium later that evening, the, the entire gym was filled. And uh, they put on a, uh, a program for us celebrating our championship. And uh, it was just so exciting that, you know, we wanted to do that ourselves the following year. Um, so, so you're, and what happens the following year? That is when we went to the Final Four. Uh, that was my, was my junior year. Okay. My senior year, uh, I was the only senior on the team, and we had a bunch of uh, sophomores on the team. They were just 
great guys, and they were excited to be on the team, and uh, uh, they kind of looked up to me as their big, big brother, being the only senior. But it was a rebuilding year for our team, and we won, did win the sectional, and we uh, got to the championship game uh, in the regional, and Noblesville came in, and it just so happens they had a Cox on their team as well. His name was Gary Cox. And he was very outstanding. He was uh, got a full scholarship at Butler University, and uh, they ended up beating us by one point, and they went on to the semi-state. Uh, you, you know Gary passed away, I guess, about a year ago now. Yes, and we have been friends over the years. We've uh, text messaged back and forth for lots of years, and it was such a sad ending. And uh, I really miss the fellow, and he has such a good sense of humor and uh, outspoken and uh, miss him dearly. Yeah, he uh, he kind of helped me get this kind of all started, and uh, you know, you know, sometimes email gets slapped into a spam or gets slapped into something else, and uh, it was so sad. About a week or a week and a half after his passing, I, I found an email of him telling me that you know it's pretty bad that he has this, and it's not going to be very long. And I feel so bad that I didn't get this and uh, get that information sooner, or I would have uh, spent more uh, time chatting with him. But that was a very uh, uh, and uh, I. A good sense of humor, sometimes sick, and he really had his uh, his beliefs, but he believed in them. Yes, he did, and yeah. wasn't afraid to tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, and no, he was not. <laughs> so, so you've graduated from Kokomo. Are you a little nervous about heading out to Drake? And I did no research on this, so my apology. Was it was it the Drake Ducks or was it the Mallards? No, it was the Bulldogs. Bulldogs, okay. Did didn't they did they change that later on? No, it's still the Drake still, Bulldogs. Okay, where did I get mallards from? I have uh, no, I have no clue. Okay. A Drake is uh, uh, is a mallard. A, a duck is a duck. Drake okay. is a duck, and it's a mallard duck. Okay. <laughs> that's not what Drake stands for. No, it's not really a duck. <laughs> so, so heading out there, were you nervous? Were you? Did you feel like you made the right decision? And I'm assuming when you got out there, you played freshman ball because you weren't eligibility, you weren't ready until your sophomore year in college, right? That's correct. I was a little nervous going out there. It's 500 miles away. I'm just a little kid from a little small town of Kokomo, and here I am going to 500 miles away. And I did play freshman basketball, and. Uh, I had a good freshman year. I was the leading scorer on our team, and I think my high game was 39 points, but I made the average close to 20 points a game. But uh, our varsity team, they were, they won, they tied for the conference, and back then they only took 16 teams to the NCAA, and they had a playoff game with Wichita State, and they had an All-American of the, on their team, and uh, we had McCoy McLemore on our team. He was an All-American as well and played uh, his um, NBA career at Chicago with Jerry Sloan, in fact. And so our team got to go to the NIT. And so then my sophomore year, I I started the next three years, and uh, my job mainly was to get the ball to Bob Nedelecki. And uh, I was also... uh, the fellow was supposed to play defense and set up the offenses. And Bob Nedlake and I were co-captains our senior years together. So 
I was more of a role player rather than having to rely on scoring. I was just uh, uh, wanting to get the ball to Nato because he could do miracles with it. Now, I have a question, and, you, and, and Bob's going to probably listen to this. Bob's a good guy. We've had him on the program. But you've got to be honest about this. What were your first thoughts when you met, when you met Neto? My first thought, he's a very unusual fellow. <laughs> I have to be careful what I say. But anyway, he was uh, very unusual. And I could tell you a lot of unusual stories that uh, nobody else would ever do but Bob. But I'm not going to start with that. <laughs> Uh, I can remember uh, back to the basketball uh, when we were sophomores. I make I can remember Bob and I were starters, and uh, one particular game, uh, the coach benched him. He wouldn't didn't want us. He didn't start him. And I asked the coach. I said, "Why aren't you starting Bob?" He said, "He's too lazy." <laughs> I said, "Coach, he's not lazy. He's just saving his moves." <laughs> He just, it just looks like he's lazy, but he's so smooth and slick that uh, he conserves his energy and conserves all of his moves, but he really gets the job done. And I think he started there every single game after that. You know, I when, take the credit for all of it. When, when I did my research on Bob, you know, he's a, uh, you know, come down to it, he was like the Joe Namath of basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can tell you one story, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I can remember our every year we'd go to St. Louis and play, and we saw this arch being built, the, the big arch. And it was completed our senior year. And after the basketball season, I can recall Bob coming up to me, and he, he took some uh, flying lessons. He belonged to a flying club. And he said, Erwin, do you want to come with me and fly through the arch? I said, no, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> and I can remember the very next day when we got together, I asked him if he did what he said he was going to do. And he just looked at me and smiled. <laughs> and to this day, I do not know for sure if he actually did. <laughs> You'll probably see him long before I will. If you find out, would you mind letting me know? <laughs> yes, I will. I, I'm good. As soon as I get off this and get this interview together, I'll tell you, did you fly through the arch? <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay, let me know what his answer is. <laughs> I, I, I will. So what, what were the differences like once you did um, get to Drake? What, what did you feel like your differences were between the high school game and the college game? And evidently you adapted pretty quickly. Oh, I think uh, the big thing I noticed right away was the fact that people in Iowa, they had such a respect for players coming to Drake from Indiana. Drake had at least four players every year that were there from Indiana. And they really appreciated the fact that Indiana is, is basketball. And they were tickled to have someone come to Drake and uh, enhance their program. <laughs> so that was the, the big thing that I, I, I noticed that I really appreciated was the fans out there uh, liking us Hoosiers. Did, did, what was travel like in college basketball? Oh, we traveled first class 
commercially every game except the ones like Iowa State or maybe Iowa uh, took buses then. But we flew everywhere. We'd uh, fly to Colorado, say, on a Thursday, and then maybe we had a Saturday game in, at Michigan State. And I can remember doing a lot of uh, making up uh, my college work but the professors, they didn't have a lot of sympathy for us just because we were gone playing basketball. So they expected us to get our homework done and uh, make the grades. So we were required to make certain grades or else we would not be eligible to play basketball. So that, it was really exciting to fly different places because I'd never flown, flown uh, commercially before. So it was quite an exciting time. And, you know, playing at Michigan State, flying out to Colorado, did you, was there a time where, you know, you weren't really playing, feeding that ball to Nedelicki? Do do you remember some good offensive games that you had? Oh, Ned was never off that much. (laughs) And we had a couple other really nice players that uh, could pick up the pace on that. But I think uh, I I was more of a role player. I didn't have to average a lot of points scoring, but I could get to the, the ball to the players that, that could do the scoring. And we had, our, I can remember our senior year, we had a group of sophomores coming up, and four of them were from Indiana. <laughs> and those fellows, uh, one was the point guard with me. I was the point guard. He was the other guard. And his name was Willie McCarter from Gary Roosevelt. And that team ended up going to the final four their senior year, which is just a couple of years after Neto and I graduated. And they were in the final four with somebody you just mentioned, uh, Rick Mount in Purdue, and uh, UCLA with Lou Alcindor, and Dean Smith's North Carolina team. Wow. So Drake was in the final four, and the first game they played was against UCLA, and they ended up getting beat by three points. Wow. And Coach Wooden said after the game that they were the toughest defensive team he's ever played against. And that's what our coach uh, was really noted for was his defensive uh, teams. And then back then we had a consolation game that uh, – they don't have any more, but we played North Carolina in the consolation game, and we end up beating them by thirty points. Wow! See, and see, and this is why and I Rick, this is why I do this because uh, I, I I I did not know that. That's awesome. Uh huh. And then Rick Mount's team, Purdue, they end up getting barely getting beat by UCLA and uh, that dynasty, but. Uh, it was really cool to see Drake up there, and uh, most of the players were on our team as well for our senior year. It was nice to see them develop into such an outstanding career. You know, while, while one that... ended up being All American, and another one got also got drafted uh, into the NBA. One was drafted first round by Los Angeles Lakers, and uh, of course, Neto was drafted. I think second round by NBA and ended up playing for the Pacers for about nine years. I think. Mm-hmm. What um, did you ever, mm-hmm. while you were at Drake, get back to play in Indiana as a college basketball player? Get back to playing. Yeah. Did you ever, while while at Drake, did you play any college basketball games back in your home state? I don't think we ever did. I can remember Valparaiso coming to Drake. Okay. And uh. 
a, a, a game. And uh, I think our team, I can remember our teammates taking it very lightly because Valparaiso was a Division Two team. And I can remember pre-game that I mentioned to them that they need to remember where Valparaiso is located. Mm-hmm. And I reminded them that they're from Indiana. And I'm telling you, they knew how to shoot the ball, of course. And we had a very difficult time beating them. And the players were pretty amazed that uh, that Indiana team was awfully good. Uh, I can remember Purdue coming to Drake and playing. They had a fellow that you also mentioned, Dave Shellhouse, two-time All-American at Purdue. And our coach had a special plan to guard him, <laughs> and we held him to a season low, and we ended up beating Purdue. Wow. And that's pretty amazing because Purdue was awfully good uh, several years in that, in that era. Uh, I can remember going through Indianapolis, spending the night in Indianapolis and having to play uh, the next day at Louisville. And they had a fellow by the name of Wesley Unsel. Yeah. He was a two-time All-American as well and played uh, a lot of professional ball. I think he played for the Chicago Bulls, maybe. I can't remember. Milwaukee, maybe. But anyway. uh, But we never did play a basketball game uh, in Indiana while I was at Drake. So you're getting close to the end of your senior year in college. What were you getting your degree in? Were you thinking about the future and what you wanted to do? Was it kind of a, were you kind of antsy about it? Take us through that. I was getting my degree in history, just like you. And uh, I was going to be a school teacher, just like my four other brothers. So I was just kind of you know, following in my brother's footsteps. And I wanted to coach basketball. And I uh, got a teaching job at Western High School in Howard County. And two years later, I was appointed the head basketball coach. And that was about the same year that my brother Harold was at Hayworth. And I can recall having to play him with all his talent at that time. They were just so good. They went to the semi-state, as, as you know. And I got kind of tired of getting beat so badly by by my brother. <laughs> so I decided to take my interest elsewhere. <laughs> and I got into business and uh, have been in the home inspection business. And I have a construction company as well. And, and have done that most of the rest of my life. Was did you do did you ever as you progressed and um, uh, in, in your career in business, did you ever look back and think, I, I should have maybe kept it going a little bit? Or were you happy that you got out of the stress and, you know, not, not that what you did wasn't stressful, but, you know, that, that you got into the career that you got into? I never regretted getting out of coaching. I think some coaches are uh, maybe better coaches than they were ball players, and some ball players are better uh, coaches than they were players. But I think I was probably a better ball player than I was a coach. And I, I, I think I was glad to get out of that profession and uh, uh, being self-employed for the rest of my life. You, you know, your brother Harold, uh, and, and I don't know if this was the same with you. I'm assuming it probably runs in the family. Uh, were you guys just always smooth and cool looking? 
Well, I don't know about my brothers, but I was very good looking and smooth. (laughs) 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 You know, as soon as Harold hears this, he's going to call you, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, he'll probably tell you the same thing about himself. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, I don't think we ever tried to compare one another to (laughs) as far as basketball skills. Are you still laughing? Yes, I am. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, that's good. (laughs) So we we never, we weren't competitive toward one another in those areas at all. Okay. What, Erwin, what do you think of the state of basketball today, be it college or the high school game in Indiana? Well, I think uh, the interest in basketball has slipped. tell you about a team at Northwestern High School basketball team. It's a girls' basketball team. They are coached by Kathy Layton, and she used to be the basketball coach at Tri-Central. And she won two two state championships at Tri-Central. And I can remember watching that game on television, and she was, after the game, to go up and accept the trophy, she was holding her baby in her arms. And this was 18 years ago. And recently, not recently, but several years ago, she got the coaching job at Northwestern. And lo and behold, that little baby was a starter on her team. And they have won two state championships in a row. Wow. And they are ranked number one this year. She's a senior. And she will probably be Miss Basketball. And she has a younger sister coming up that's also a starter on the team. She's a freshman. But they will probably win the state championship this year, undefeated. Last year, they were no Indiana team beat them. They did get beat by a large uh, school in Louisville in a tournament. But no team has beaten them in two years. And now they have moved up to Class 4A. So they're playing all the big schools this year. And they're still beating everybody on an average of 28 points a game. Wow. So this is the talk of the county. I mean, everybody wants to go see them, and now they can't all go to the game because the tickets are sold out. And it's just like back in the 60s, back in the good old days. Everybody's saying, well, basketball is back. Even though it's a county school, we're all behind them. And we want to see them uh, repeat for the third time the state championship. And they'll be talked about for years and years to come. Erwin Cox, you didn't think that you'd be able to talk for over an hour, did you? It's been an hour already. Uh, yes, it is. It's been an hour and ten minutes. Can you believe that? Well, can you believe I have several more stories I want to tell you? <laughs> yeah. You want you guys to warm up. Well, I tell you what, I thank you so much for your time. Everyone's going to enjoy this, and uh, um, I, I appreciate your time. Billy, I've really enjoyed the talk with you, and, and uh, it really uh, put me to ease when I realized you knew my brother Dave and his daughter, and uh, you're just like uh, uh, one of the family. And it's been a real pleasure chatting with you.